Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Philippians chapter 1, verse number, uh, well, I'm going to start in verse number 12, and then we'll go from there. So, it says this in verse number 12, Philippians 1.12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. This is one thing I really love about the Apostle Paul, is that he is forever not just optimistic, but aware of the victory that he has in Christ, even when his circumstances don't look like it. And this is the essence of faith. The essence of faith is that your circumstance does not look right, but God has said it's going to turn out right. Okay? So this is the essence of faith. We have to understand this about faith. If you don't understand this about faith, you're going to miss it, especially when it comes to uh, the promises of God. Because how many have realized this, that there are promises that that you have from God that you have not seen at all times manifest? Okay, so in other words, your circumstances are going to preach contrary to what God's word preaches to you. And that's the essence of what we, uh, of how we believe and what we believe as far as the word of God is concerned. And what we see, the essence is, is that there is a, there are two uh, forces that are operating in the earth. One has a, a word and, a, and a, a word of death and destruction, and one has a word of life and life more abundantly. And you're always going to be in tension when you're on this planet. People are like, well, I wish just all my problems would go away. You can go to heaven. They'll go away. But, but until then, you get the blessed opportunity to walk by faith and not by sight. Okay. Now, the wonderful thing about God's promises is that they are so amazing, there's no way you and I could fulfill them without his ability. That's the wonderful thing about them, because they're a function of what? They're a function of grace. And since they're a function of grace, they've been given to us by grace, they're received by faith, grace in and of itself requires that it's God's ability working to bring the thing to pass while we are believing in that ability to operate. And this is what, this is what Paul, Paul is forever this way. In all of his epistles, he talks this way. In the midst of difficult situations, he's having victory after victory after victory. Why? Because he's trusting the Lord to work on his behalf. He has his faith in that covenant, and that covenant is operating and uh, moving for him. So, um, verse 13, he says this, so that it has been uh, become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, and most of the brethren in the Lord having uh, become confident by my chains, have, are become bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. And that's where I want to start uh, this evening. So, as far as the uh, commenting on these verses. So, Paul, in the process of being put in prison for the gospel he ends up running into a situation where people have become bold to preach because he got arrested. 
So this is a big deal because this is even happening like right now in the, in the nation. There are other people that have become bold to preach because preachers have been arrested because they were told they, that they couldn't preach because of coronavirus and all that stuff. And what we see is, is that when leaders in the body of Christ step out and do what they're supposed to, it emboldens others to do what they're supposed to do. So watch, this principle works with your family. If you as a parent will be bold in the word, your kids will be too. They will. They'll follow the lead because they'll see the example set and they'll follow that lead. They'll move in that direction because they'll see the success in your life. Because you obeyed the word of God and you stood on the word of God. So what we see here is that Paul, even in the midst of preaching, and he's here he's in prison, which is not the, you know, the best circumstances, um, he has people preaching uh, out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to his chains. This is great. He's in prison for preaching. And he's got fellow preachers preaching hoping to make his stay in prison worse. Isn't that nice? He's hoping to make, they're hoping to make his prison stay even worse because they're jealous of his ministry. This is a unique situation. But that's, so this term or this phrase, selfish ambition, means uh, according distinction. A desire to put oneself forward it means a partisan and factious spirit which does not disdain low arts, partisanship, or factiousness. In other words, they're hoping that their ministry will increase while Paul is in prison. While they see he's on the downside, they want to jump in and try and gain maybe some of his church members, his converts. That's what they're after. Because they want to be they want to be the lead. They want to be the famous preacher, whatever the case may be, whatever the motivation is. And so in this, we see that it, not only is he dealing with that, uh, Paul dealing with being in prison, and, not, and I shouldn't say dealing with it. He's, he's believing God through all of it, but then also he's got preachers that are working against him as well. They hope to add affliction. Affliction is just simply pressure. Um, and tribulation to an already pressured situation. Bob Yandian put it this way. He said, some are using their pulpit to add insult to injury in Paul's life. They not only want Paul to stay in prison, but for him to be miserable too. They did not want him to experience joy while there. They have supposed falsely that while they are preaching in contention, Paul is being hurt by their words, but they are wrong in only fooling themselves. The Greek word translated contention comes from the root word meaning someone who is a hired laborer. These people are preaching the gospel mainly for money. Paul's message of grace and his success has become a threat to them. These men are out to build their ministry on the destruction of another. Their motivation is hatred and jealousy toward the success of Paul, uh, toward the su success that Paul has achieved despite his circumstances. Paul may have been in prison bodily in Rome, but these ministers were in prison in their souls. So in other words, what is the big takeaway here from this verse? Why do you, why, what is the motivation behind what you do? That's the big takeaway from this verse. Why do, why do I do what I do? What is the motivation? Is the motivation 
for me, especially, you know, specifically talking about the advancement of the kingdom and preaching the gospel and being a witness. Now, you can think in terms of Paul, and you can think in terms of prison or a famous preacher, but this applies to every area of our lives. What is the motivation for what you're doing or what I'm doing? What is my heart motive? Is it just to get back at somebody else? Am I motivated to do something because I want somebody to see me do it? You know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, like Hollywood actors or actresses will do a public uh, announcement of how much money they give to the poor or to some hurricane relief or something, you know what I mean? And the Lord said, if you do, if you do that and you announce, you sound a trumpet in front of your giving, that's your reward. Your reward is being known that you did it. That's it. There's no reward beyond that. And so even with smaller things, whether it be in our lives, it's the same thing. Why do we do what we do? And the motivation is a big deal. So let's go to verse 17. So this is where we get into those that are uh, helping in ministry out of love. He says this, but the latter out of love or agape, knowing or understanding that I am appointed to the defense of the gospel. This word appointed means to be set or destined by God's intent. It means to be placed by God. Do you know that every person has a place in God and in his kingdom and in his work? Every person does. So you, everybody here has an appointment. Everybody watching online has an appointment from God. You have an appointment from God to do. In other words, you have a set or destined, you have been set or destined by God for an intentional purpose. Sometimes those are real easy, like simple, general things. Like, for instance, being a parent. You're set and appointed. There's a lot of people that are set and appointed to be a parent, to raise a child, to raise kids. You're set and appointed to work. Some form of work. You're set and appointed to, uh, uh, um, if you're married, to your spouse. And those are some general things. But then even in that, God will set and appoint you in a body, a church body, to work and to be a part of that body. And then recognizing that can sometimes take a little bit of time. But... Once you figure out that God has called you and you have a set and an appointment you, you, and you give yourself to it and your purpose, nothing stops you when, once you have purpose. Once you understand your appointment and what you're set to, nothing stops you. If you're a focused person, you won't allow yourself to get distracted by what's going on around you. Specifically in this situation, Paul's not allowing, think about all the things that Paul has going on. He's in a Roman prison, right? He's under house arrest. He's attached to a Roman guard. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's, got, he's writing a letter to another church, uh, the, the Philippian church, and encouraging them. And he's aware of the things that are going on where they are. Plus, he's dealing with the situation where he's at. Plus, he's dealing with people that are preaching to hurt him while he's in prison. I mean, do you think he's having a rough day? Or week, or whatever you want to say. It was a few years, actually, is what it ended up being. But in the midst of this, 
How can Paul write the things that he does? Again, this goes back to grace and faith because there is no circumstance that grace doesn't have a supply for to have victory in. Amen? There isn't one. There is no circumstance. God is not in heaven going, oh, I didn't think of that. He's not in heaven going, Paul's in prison? Michael, why didn't you tell me? Gabriel, what are we doing here? Where's the communication? How did this happen? None of that took place. God had supplied in advance, and he supplied it in, the, in Christ. And this is what Paul's, you know, as much as Paul was in trouble and situation and all of that stuff, this was the primary revelation of Paul. He understood that the resurrection, that Christ was in him. That was his primary revelation for the New Testament church. And it was the primary one for the dispensation that we're in. It wasn't that, hey, Jesus, come to me. It was, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That was his primary revelation. When you have that understanding in you, your circumstances become less and less important to you. They become less and less important. They're not as, it's not as big a deal because you know who you're in and who's in you. So even though Paul may be chained in the spirit, he's free to the point that he's not thinking about getting himself free. He's thinking about saving, getting the guard saved. You know what I mean? Now that takes an understanding. Because our natural thinking is, is what? It's really given towards our comfort in a lot of areas. It isn't given more toward the revelation of who we are in Christ and the reality of who Christ is in us. It's given more to, well, man, Lord, this situation, I need deliverance where Paul had such an intimacy with the Lord and an understanding or revelation of the Lord that he wasn't even thinking about himself. He was thinking, the Lord will take care of this. I need to lead people to the Lord. I need to, what is my mission in the midst of this? Is my main purpose in my faith just to get free so I don't have to be in prison anymore? Or is the main mission that the Lord has given me to operate and live out of who I am in Christ? And that's how Paul thought. So he goes on to say this. He says, they, they know that I've been appointed uh, to the preaching of the gospel. And so they're preaching as well, but they're doing it out of love. And this is what the Lord had said to me. When you love your fellow minister in Christ, you will have insight into their appointment. And you will fight with them, not against them. There's a lot of fighting against people in the church. Have you noticed that? It happens. <clears throat> when you love your fellow minister in Christ, when you understand and you have an understanding of the love of God in you, uh, you will have insight into their appointment, what they're called to do, and you will fight with them, not against them. So love always allows for a proper perspective. Always. Love always allows for a proper perspective. How many have noticed this? I mean, you can, you can feel it over the nation right now. 
There are people, like, I, I think Heidi told me, uh, she said somebody was, was messaging. I don't know who the minister was, but he's a known minister. And uh, over what's taking place with the election situation right now, there are Christians vomiting in their bathroom, sick over it. I said, at first, when she, Heidi told me this, they're messaging this to ministers. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. Over what? Well, what if Trump doesn't win? Jesus is still on the throne. Not to mention inside of me. You're going to tell me. <laughs> now, this kind of stuff, I just, it turns me wrong. Or right. I think it turns me right. I get the discipleship whip inside of me. I just want to take that crook as a shepherd and go, Jerk! <laughs> Where are you going? We have, we have a future and a hope that is sealed by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no man in any position of authority is going to change my destiny. Period. Period. Nor will it stop me from preaching the gospel. I mean, go to bed. You know, people, I can't sleep, you know. Ah. Oh, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Nowhere does the scripture say that the fruit of the Spirit operates if the right person gets elected. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> to me it's like, hello. We, why, why, are we, why would we lose our peace over that? Man, we've been through worse. And, and besides that, the people, the, the uh, uh, generations before us, World War I, World War II, you know, all of that, I mean, they went through way worse than what we've gone through. And God's still on the throne. How many know God is not in heaven right now sweating bullets? Oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> people lied oh shocker they did the news media lied to you no way <laughs> in other words in other words what yeah we're still victorious the church still wins we have Christ in us the hope of glory well, what if situations change? Well, then they do, and we adjust. Amen. Now, people don't even want to think about that. They don't even want to consider it. And I understand why. I'm believing God for the right thing to happen here. But even at that, guys, we should not lose our peace ever. We should not lose our peace at all. Because there is no situation that we're in that God doesn't have a solution and a grace for. We're in it, and praise the Lord, we're doing just fine. And we're overcomers every single time in Him. Amen? So, uh, when you understand this, you can fight like you, continue, you need to continue to. And, and this is what I was saying uh, when I kind of got off on this tangent a little bit. But this is what I was saying. You can feel it in the air. Watch, I've been pastoring now for long enough and ministering long enough. I can tell when there's a lot of people in the room, you can feel the excitement. 
And when there's not, you can feel people go, whoa. And I've watched this, I've done this. The reason why it doesn't bother me is because I youth pastored for six years. If you want to learn how to be tough in preaching, preach every week to teenagers. One week, it will be phenomenal. And then four weeks in a row, you'll wonder what happened. It's like preaching to a brick wall. But people do. They don't even realize it. With the election, all this stuff, they don't realize how a cloud will sit and they'll allow it to sit on them. Christians do. They don't smile all day. They're crabby with their spouse. They don't even know why. Because the electoral college isn't working right. (laughs) You know what I mean? When in all reality, the joy of the Lord is our strength. No matter what. People just need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost more. That's just all there is to it. They need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and just stay full. You know what I mean? People are like, well, I just watch the news all day and I feel so bad. Turn the stupid news off. Read your Bible all day. People are, I just don't have time. Oh, you do. You make time for what you make for. That doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. <laughs> you'll find time. For what you want to do, you'll find time. And if you're, like in Paul's situation, I mean, he had to know the Lord. He can't go anywhere. He's chained. What's he going to do? He's chained. Oh, I love this. This is Jesus. This is powerful to me. He's chained to a guard writing revelation from heaven. And guess what he doesn't have? He doesn't have an iPod. He doesn't have just the right mood in the room and music playing. Just so he can just, shh, shh, you Roman guards, be quiet. I need to hear from God. He knows his father. He knows who's in him. And that same spirit lives in us. We have authority over this situation. We have authority over ourselves, amen? All right, so what we see here in, in these, these preachers that were preaching out of love is that these disciples are like David's army at Hebron. Let's go to 1 Chronicles 12. I love this passage. I actually preached this passage uh, two years ago at uh, the uh, uh, Northern Plains Believers Rally. Was it two years ago? Maybe it was a year ago. I don't know. Did we have it? Yeah, we had it last year. Because that was before the Rona tried to take over. All right. First Chronicles 12. These are, uh, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 23. But I want you to see this. These, this to me is a wonderful picture of this verse that we just read in Philippians. That, uh, about the preachers that were preaching out of love. Because they understood Paul's appointment. Now watch this. This is, what, this is what disciples, this is how disciples function. And you're going to see these common uh, phrases all the way through, and I'm going to emphasize them as I go, so I'll, I'll make it clear to you. But um, you're going to see how they are in the right place at the right time, holding their position and doing what they're supposed to be doing. So he says this, Now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war, and came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. So first of all, what do you see? These are divisions that are what? They're equipped for what? 
war. So these are men that came to David that are already ready for war. What do they understand about David? They understand what he's appointed to. And out of love for the Lord, out of love for the Lord, they are going to serve David. So in Paul's day, when he was in Roman prison, and in the book of Philippians where he says, others are preaching out of what? Love for me and love for the gospel. What do they understand? They understand Paul's appointment, and they understand their position in it in assisting the advancement of the kingdom. And that's what we're going to see right here. So we'll see this. In verse uh, 24, it says, Of the sons of Judah, bearing shield and spear, 6,800 armed for war. Of the sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war. In other words, what? They know their appointment. They know what they're called to. 7,100. Of the sons of Levi, 4,600. Jehoiada, the leader of the Aaronites, and with him, 3,700. Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior, and from his father's house, 22 captains. Of the sons of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, 3,000, until the greatest part of them had remained loyal to the house of Saul until then. So even, even those that were faithful to Saul, everybody's familiar with David and Saul and how that kingdom got divided up into two different, uh, uh, and how Saul basically went under. But even those of the house of Saul, they understood David's appointment and they submitted to Saul. They submitted to Saul or they had submitted to Saul, and they switched and submitted to David in the middle of Saul being taken out and moving on. They switched uh, uh, loyalties. They switched loyalties. In other words, what are they focused on? They're not focused on a person. They're focused on what? The kingdom. They knew the word of the Lord. People will do this. They'll go, well, I just can't, I just can't be you know, in that church or around that, that pastor. I just don't get along with their personality. Do you know how weak that is? If you're, <laughs> we're, this is Wednesday, so this is discipleship. People go, well, you know, I, I used to go to that church, but then, you know, we had confrontation. And you never had confrontation at the next church? Or, how many have a family? Do you ever have confrontation in your house or in your family? And yet you don't leave that one. <laughs> you, st you stay with that one. It's no different in the body of Christ. They understand their appointment, right? So it goes on to say this. Um, let's see. Uh... What verse did I leave off on? Was I 26 or 27? 28? I was on my way to 30. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, I'm going to go down to verse uh, 28. Zadok, a young man, a valiant warrior, and from his father's house, 22 captains. Oh, yeah, I was well past this. Of the sons of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, there's where I was, 3,000 until then, until then, the greatest part of them had remained loyal to, to the house of Saul. 
of the sons of Ephraim, 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous men throughout their father's house. They were famous within their father's house, but they weren't looking to take over David's position. So they're not, fam- they're not looking for fame for them. They're just, how many know you can be famous for, for doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing it well? As long as you're in your appointment, you're good. Amen? So he says this, of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were uh, designated by name to come and make David king. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and their brethren were at their command. Their brethren were what? They were at their command. Of Zebulon, there were 50,000 who went out to battle, expert in war with all weapons of war, stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. Does that sound familiar? If you're preaching or you're doing what you're doing out of selfish ambition, are you keeping rank? You're looking for someone else's rank. Isn't that tough? The only reason, some of this stands out to me so strong because I've watched it happen in church. People get it in their head. Well, I'm I'm supposed to be doing this, and they're doing it. So I'm going to try and do what they do, only I'm going to do it better. You're in trouble. Because unless the grace and the anointing of God comes on you to do something, it's a waste of time anyway. And we talked about this actually two weeks ago. Um, when we got into a little bit uh, in the previous verses. But this is, what we, this is what the Lord needs. The Lord needs people who recognize their appointment, their rank, and they stay put. Now, your first rank call is just spiritual maturity. But then beyond that, understanding what you're called to and then giving your all to that one thing. Well, I could do it better if I was in charge of this. That's the wrong thinking. But see, here's the thing. That's built into our culture. You know, like I, 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 uh, yeah, I'm going to say this. This will be funny. Um, I was, uh, the other day I was, I don't know, I think I saw an article or something on Facebook. It was a couple of weeks ago. But uh, Hillary Clinton made the statement that she was born to be president. And I had just read in Hebrews Where the scripture says that we don't take honor to ourselves. We allow the Lord to position us. We do not do what we do to try and be seen and known and grab honor from man and have man lift us up on a pedestal. That's that's not why we do it. We do it because we love God first. And we, 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 we function and do what we're supposed to do and are excited about our rank because God gave it to us. And that's enough. That's just exciting, isn't it? But when you do that, great grace will be upon you. And you'll be able to do, you'll, you'll be surprised what you'll be able to do. Because the Lord is the one empowering you to do it. Do you remember what Paul said? He said, I worked more than all the other apostles. And what did he say? Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Man, that is an understanding that I am so hungry for. <laughs> to understand 
what Paul understood in the revelation of who we are in him. Because when you have that, you'll never have, you'll realize there is never a day that you wake up that there is more, uh, that there's not joy available. That there's not supply of strength available when you're in, within the will of God for your life. Doing what you're called and know what you're supposed to do. Holding your rank and not moving. It's just powerful, amen? Man, is it almost eight? Oh my goodness. I was just getting started. I don't even think I got through two verses. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... Um, of Naphtali, verse 34, of Naphtali, 1,000 captains, and with them 37,000 with shield and spear. Of the Danites who could keep battle formation. What does that mean? They don't move. When it gets difficult, battle formation, not pre-battle formation, you're in the middle of battle, and what, does, what do these Danites do? They stay put. Have you ever been in the middle of a fight, and, uh, or I've had this happen before, but you're in the middle of a situation, and you need people to be in the position that they're supposed to be in ministry-wise, and they just abandon in the middle of it? In other words, what did they do? They are not ones that know how to hold rank, and they don't understand battle formation. They're those that get off on, well, I want to do this over here, or I want to do that over there. And they abandon what they, what many times people have said this to me, what the Lord told them to do. Well, the Lord told me to work in this area. Okay, great. And then six months later, uh, I don't know, the Lord changed his mind. No, you're just weak. Spiritually, you're weak. If the Lord told you to do it, you do it. Here's the thing that people don't realize. And this is, this is, this is, oh man. The Lord put me through boot camp, I'm telling you what. And I had to do it. This is what people don't realize. They don't realize how strong spiritually they're getting when they stay put and they don't feel like it. They don't realize their spiritual development is at stake. Because in the spirit, it's weight training. And when, if you can stay put... When God calls you to do something and you stay in your position and you don't move, if you can stay put, you'll develop to the point where you end up being so strong that other things don't bother you. You'll go through other stuff and it won't even matter. It, it's just like it didn't even matter. You'll feel so strong. But if, if you stay put, but you got to stay put. It's just so interesting to me sometimes how, how uh, people get off on that. You know, they don't realize how important it is to stay and to, and to really grind in and, and drill down into what God's called them to do and don't move. And when you do that, I'm telling you what, it, you don't care how bright the lights are around the corner because you understand spiritual development. Amen? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.